hair looks so nice. Susan always looks nice for our recordings. Yeah. It's, you know, got texture. I haven't showered in three days. What? <laughs> I took a bath. Oh. I haven't, like, gone anywhere. I've literally been in my home. It's like, why am I going to shower if I'm not leaving? Hello. 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 And welcome to Book Squad Goals. This Thank week. You. Welcome. This is Mary. If you do not know the sound of my voice by now. Um, This week, we are talking about Naomi Alderman's The Power. It is a really interesting book. I am super pumped to talk about it because I could not put it down once I started reading it. But for our little, little opening question, because this book deals so much with online chat forums a la reddit if you were a conspiracy theorist (laughs) online what would your username be i'll say you know i picked this this question also because of our uh what book was it where there was the baby forum the new moms uh no one is coming to save us yes (laughs) my favorite book mom to be mom to be (laughs) (laughs) so what if you were a crazy conspiracy theorist online what would your username be this is kelly hey kelly hi uh i feel like i would want to do something um shocking you know so that people would remember me so i feel like i need the word cunt in mm-hmm. it but i'm not exactly sure like with what combination of other words if i could just maybe i could put like cunt 1991 <laughs> which is the year i was born yeah maybe you could do like some internet spelling yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah or <laughs> i mean another one this was my okay cupid username for a while was kitten of azkaban yeah. so i could do like cunt of thinking, azkaban. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> this is emily i was thinking i would have to have like cats in my yeah name somewhere and i think like um oh by the way before i get into this i just want to say um so i was out of town over the weekend and um ben and i swapped cars so he had my car and i had his car um, and when I came back, Ben had put a special like license plate thing on my car that says cat lady and it has cats on it. Oh, it's Weird. really cute. That's very That's sweet. So sweet. I was like, I think Ben is, uh, wishing that he was a woman so he could be a cat lady. Mm-hmm. There's no oh, cat men. He's feeling jealous. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So with that. That in mind, I think my name would be something like Cats Before Cox, mm. you know, because you get that nice alliteration and also suggests that I like cats better than dudes, which is for the most part true. And also you got to curse, I feel like. Mm. You have to do something inappropriate. Yeah. Cats Before Cox. I'm going to go with that. But like probably like B4, mm. like B yeah, number yeah. four. This was not a good one for me to improvise on. I know. I'm trying to think, too. and I'm, It's my Could, own question. Yeah, I made that up on the fly. Yeah. I know that that's impressive. I thought it, it really so is. I thought I was... Oh, thanks. I was trying to look for this Twitter account that I love. 
Um, do any of you follow Not a Wolf? No. Yes. Okay, so I would want to do something like that. <laughs> but where, like, people didn't know I was a woman, but I was, like, just infiltrating these boards and, like, pretending to be a dude. But really, I would, like, right. then destroy the conversation with my great arguments. Yeah. But... But funny, the way that Not a Wolf is funny. <laughs> Not a Wolf post <laughs> in all caps. All the time. Yeah, and it's just like, the avatar is a wolf in like a suit. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a wolf pretending to be um, nice. <laughs> but he like goes to the office and tweets about work, but like as if he's a wolf pretending to be a human. Anyway, <laughs> I, that. <laughs> I would just try to like sneak into the message board somehow like as a woman and like learn the plans, but I'd be pretending to be a dude. So my name would probably be like some white dude. <laughs> I, w- I was thinking, like, I would want a name that was gender ambiguous, too. Like, yeah, it, I guess it depends I on know. what conspiracy message board you're on. I wouldn't want anybody to know who I was. <laughs> I think my name would be something like Sexy Toaster Oven. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I having deja vu about that? Did we like have a discussion? I feel like we did. Yeah, wasn't it like an aggravated appliance or something? Yeah. But what was? What were we talking about back when we first started having book club? Because that was my username on. Yes. Oh my god. AOL Instant Messenger. RIP. It's true. But what was it? Oh my god. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to go through the records and figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Are there records of AIM anymore? I don't know. Uh, I feel like my now I'm just sad for AOL. Some convos, right? Wow. <sighs> Instead of cloud. being sad about AOL, <laughs> let's move on to the actual good stuff. Hey, AOL is still around. It's just AOL Instant Messenger. Hey, AOL is the actual good stuff. Okay, it is, but it's Instant Messenger is gone now. Yeah, I had a lot of good times on there. I would know that AOL is still yeah. around because I still have an AOL email address that I sign up for things with. Yeah, yeah, my parents still have an AOL email address. You gotta That's have where a I sign email. up for all my like. I'm buying Kelly something is online. My mom. AOL. Oh no, Kelly's your mom. Yeah, I mean, uh, might as well be. <laughs> so I pulled, you know, in classic book squad fashion, I pulled a summary from Goodreads. It's not bad, surprisingly. Goodreads not in says fashion. about the power in the we power. We should start rating the summaries yes. as well as the books themselves. It's starting the right now. In the power. The world is a recognizable place. There's a rich Nigerian kid who lounges around the family pool. A foster girl whose religious parents hide their true nature. A local American politician. A tough London girl from a tricky family. But something vital has changed, causing their lives to converge with devastating effect. Teenage girls now have immense physical power. They can cause agonizing pain and even death. And with this small twist of nature, the world changes utterly. This extraordinary novel by Naomi Alderman, a Sunday Times Young Writer of the Year and Granta Best of British Writer, is not only a gripping story of how the world would change if power was in the hands of women, but also exposes with breathtaking daring our contemporary world. 
It's not bad. Not bad. I give it a four out of five. Now we're rating yeah, Goodreads that's pretty reviews. Good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We are rating I give the Goodreads. Goodreads. I would give it a I would give it a three. <laughs> I because had to read the first sentence, the world is a recognizable place several times. <laughs> because I was like, Is it? Okay. So what? Um, so essentially the novel hypothesizes what might happen if young girls and also uh, older women gained the power to shock people, like had electricity in their bodies they could manipulate to do different things with. And the novel has perspective chapters from several people who have this power and then also a couple of dudes. Who can do it. And I think it's really interesting. From here on out, we should say there will be spoilers. Mm -hmm. As usual. So if you don't want to be spoiled for what happens in the power, stop listening now and go read it. Because it's pretty interesting. The first thing that was interesting to me, and this hooks me every time (laughs) it happens... Is there is a frame narrative. Mm -hmm. There is a frame narrative between that is a series of letters between Naomi Alderman and uh, this guy named Neil. Neil something. Neil. Neil from the Men Writers Association. His name doesn't matter because his name is lost to history. <laughs> yes. And uh, he lives in Nunsuch House. I don't know if y'all saw that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, just so like, it's this correspondence between the actual author of the book, Naomi Alderman, and this man. It's wild. And so like, he's a, a Neil is essentially saying, I finished this book. And Naomi's like, oh, it's wonderful, but I have some notes. Yeah, and it's a- and then her name is on the cover. Yeah, and then she's like, maybe you should consider publishing this under a female pseudonym. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I thought was super interesting about the framing narrative is that it is the only thing that really tells us that theoretically, like the contents of this book, like occurred in the past, right? Like. Or like a historical text. Yeah. So it's like the the world that the that Naomi Alderman and Neil are living in takes place far after the world in the book, Mm -hmm. but the world in the book is very similar to our current world. So it's kind of like as if what is about to happen is this power situation. All all the stuff that goes down in the book is about to happen in our world. Then our, our world is going to be destroyed, and then in the future, this thing it is going to continue, like this power. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me so much of in Victorian lit when authors would have this preface at the beginning, like someone gave me this yeah. story, yeah, and it's Through super crazy, but like I didn't write it, yeah. It's also yeah. very, like, Handmaid's Tale-esque. Yes, which actually, yeah. um, Emily sent me an article that talks about how 
Margaret Atwood sort of mentored yeah. Naomi Alderman. And in her final, in her acknowledgments, Margaret Atwood is the first person she lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely touch of A Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. <laughs> in this book. Yeah. But I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on the frame narrative or how that, how it affects us to know that, like, supposedly a man wrote this history. Yeah. Within the world of the book, if that makes sense. It's interesting that that the man writing this book has decided to still tell the story from mostly female perspectives. Yeah. It's, it's wild to me. It's a really, it's a book that, like, I am still, I finished reading it today, and I'm still, like, trying to figure out how exactly I feel about the ideas that it's yes presenting because some of them i'm like i don't know about that (laughs) you know like i have a i have a question just about the style because like i couldn't help but compare this to another book that we read um i felt like in a lot of ways this is similar to american war yeah oh yeah Um, for sure just like in this in the style and also in the fact that like it's kind of centered around this young girl who becomes a powerful leader within this like big historical moment. Yes. Yeah. And they're both sort of they're both sort of like histories. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mary, you picked both of those books. I know. I didn't even think about that, but it's definitely (laughs) true that this book is in a way about like two young girls who kind of become prominent figures. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah with yeah. Roxy and yeah. Mother Eve. But yeah. And it I think it's even more interesting in the power because there's like pictures in it like we found this relic. Yeah, it's this I, statue. But the pictures are really How did you feel about these pictures, Kelly? They're poorly drawn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but that's fine. I it didn't bother me that much. I was like I, I thought it was an interesting addition to the book, just like it, as if it's presenting like <laughs> Emily's This is this is my favorite one. Oh my god. <laughs> if you want to describe that. Uh it's a a carving into a rock of two um forms of humans, but they're they look just really terribly drawn and then the the man has like no distinctive features except for like a tiny little penis and then <laughs> well his penis his penis is being curbed in this picture oh, which yeah. i feel like we need to talk about curbing at some point oh yeah but, <sighs> which is essentially supposed to be like a uh symbolic i guess of Female vaginal mutilation. mutilation yeah <laughs> so. yeah well, it also just takes away all, like, male sexual power, because I think, um, I guess we're just getting into this now. We're yeah, let's get, around. let's go. But, okay, but I mean, like, the thing about curbing is that it takes away all sexual power from the man, and I think, like, one of the things that has traditionally made men dominant in culture is just sort of the way that heterosexual sex is framed, mm-hmm. wherein, like, it's sort of always been focused on male pleasure and like especially like in a husband wife situation the wife being available and yeah you know for for those of you guys who haven't read this book 
when a penis is curved, basically, and I'm not quite sure the physiological way that this would work, but basically, like, it's it's made so that the man cannot even get an erection without an electric current from the woman, and it's suggested that ejaculation might actually be painful. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of taking all of these sexual experiences that once were um, traditionally, like, women's experiences just in like I mean obviously like women enjoy sex now but in a lot of situations women are pressured into having sex that they don't want and they sort of like only get to have sex when the man wants to have sex and it's often painful because you know they're not uh, for lack of a better term, like prepped accordingly. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people <laughs> yeah. still engage in genital mutilation that yeah. makes it next yeah. to impossible for women to enjoy sex. Right, and you know, there's still a lot of people out there that believe the female orgasm is a myth. So <laughs> that's true. I'm sure their wives are very happy with them. <laughs> but anyway, so as far as I mean, and I. I want to get into this, Mary. I don't know when you want to get into this. But as far as, like, looking at the parallels of how, like, men are treated in this world and women are treated in this world, I thought that was – it's it sort of goes on beyond genital mutilation to where it's, like, this is some way to, like, make men sexually in the position that women have been in. Because, like, yeah, men aren't going to go out raping people if – It brings them no pleasure. They, and they can't If it brings it them no pleasure and they can't get an erection. Yeah. yeah. And it makes it a lot easier for women to rate men if they can control male erections. Right. Yeah. And they so. have this this power that makes them physically more powerful than men because traditionally, you know, right. women are often just physically smaller and, and unable, to, unable defend to defend themselves. This is, I mean, I think, yeah, we should just talk about all this now, how the book parallels the oppression of women historically and sort of flips that and so much stuff that historically has happened to women like genital mutilation like getting raped being excluded from historical text being not being allowed to go out on the street on their own without you in it yes yes (laughs) and uh, even stuff like like, when we're reading the letters between Neil and Naomi at the end, they're talking about how, you know, well, men are traditionally considered to be the more – the caretakers and the more right. sensitive people in the world because, like, it, from their perspective, women have always had this power, this power. the power, quote-unquote, which when you think of the power, it's, like, a literal power that is this lightning <laughs> that they can shoot, but also, like – in every situation, someone has the power. Like, usually, mm-hmm. historically, it's been men. Men have had the power. And, mm-hmm. like, th- their power was, A, in their dick, because they could physically overpower women and rape them, like, all they wanted, and great. Uh, but also, like, I guess, I-, I just thought it was interesting that, like, when that part is, like, when that's taken away from a man and when historically, like, in this situation, women have always had the power, men are now seen as the sensitive slash weaker sex. Right. I, thought- I wonder if that would really happen, though, because, like, what about childbirth? Yeah. Um, 
pregnancy. And I just feel like some of those things, the fact that like women have to like physically breastfeed, like, yeah. I mean, not to say like, oh, women have to be caretakers. Obviously, I don't believe that. But right. it, it suggests to me that there are other physiological things that sort of make or that push women into those roles. Yeah. Well, another aside from just like physical power. I don't know. Yeah. But Sorry, another thing that they talk about in terms of pregnancy is with women, like you need lots of women to be able to carry lots of children because you can only have a child every nine months. But you only need one man to impregnate a bunch of women. And mm-hmm. so they're like, we can get rid of as many men as we want because we only need like 10 of you basically to continue <laughs> to populate the world. So true. I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> But I thought that was funny. Were you going to say something, Susan? Oh, I just – I guess it's kind of about motherhood. Like, in the end, with the letters back and forth between Naomi and Neil, um, she, I can't remember which one of them asked, like, well, are men only seen as the sensitive ones because women had to become, like, fierce, aggressive protectors of their children? Right. Yeah. Like, they almost become the hunters in the hunter-gatherer model. Right. <laughs> Um, I'm not a historian. <laughs> the That's my conspiracy model. theory name is not a historian. So, like not a wolf. None of us are qualified to but discuss this fake yeah, history. It's just not qualified. Um, but I thought a lot of those questions were interesting. Like when, because she, she also asked, "Are um, like, don't you think a society run by men would be so much more civil?" Mm-hmm. And uh, like people say. People say that now. About women. <laughs> about, like, yeah. don't you think we should just burn it all down and let the women run it and it would be fine? Or, you know, does power just always corrupt you? Yeah, I think this book is asking a lot of interesting questions about how these things that we've come to understand as essential parts of of the male-slash-female idea, like, how much of that is real and how much of it is just based on power like you're saying i i think you said that so much more articulately but it is a feeling like i've had about this book and that's my main struggle with it Mm -hmm. is i kept asking myself how am i supposed to feel about this book reading it as a woman am i supposed to feel empowered am i supposed to feel like oh gosh women are evil am i supposed to think it's not that women or men are evil. It's just that power, power is the problem. Yeah. I just, I kept going back and forth about how I felt about the book and I'm still not entirely sure I how think, I feel about it. Yeah. I think the issue that I have is that, you know, when we, when we're presenting women just gaining this power, having had the history that women have had, I find it harder to believe that women would immediately jump into the more negative parts of this power struggle because they have had the experience of oppression before, where I think men have never had that. Well, white men specifically. That's what makes it hard to think about. Yeah. So, like, the book starts with this phenomenon recently occurring and Mm -hmm. young girls are getting this power over electricity 
It's also, I guess we should know, it's interesting how they explain it sort of scientifically. I don't think it would hold up at all. No. I am no doctor. <laughs> but they sort of describe it as there being this muscle on the collarbone that houses this electricity and that it's, it's very tied to the rest of the body and that if you try to remove it, the person will likely die because it messes up the rhythm of their heart, etc. Also, it's like the creepiest description. I'm just like reading about it, it and like how they, you can like see it under their skin and it's like it Pulsing. wriggled. And I'm like, oh, it's like having like a gross worm snake thing in your collarbone no thank you (laughs) but so like these the young at the beginning of the book the girls start to get this power and then they can sort of awaken the power in older women by giving them a little shock yeah and And all new babies are born with it yes it's and so it's just started but very quickly women start doing things like killing their abusers and standing up for themselves when people try to attack them and there's a lot of death and people are like oh no these women are dangerous because they're killing people but at least in the beginning a lot of the killing seems justified like one of the main characters Allie who later becomes Mother Eve and sort of heads up this religion she is getting raped by her foster father frequently and so one night he comes in to rape her and she just kills him yep and leaves Mm -hmm. and in that moment i was like yeah like this is fine yeah no he deserved (laughs) to die i had no problem still on board (laughs) yeah i was still on board but then by the end of the novel we see that women have just sort of wielded this power in mass and you know it's not everyone who's bad or evil and there are a lot of the uh narrators of the book that get perspective chapters who you know seem okay with the power like jocelyn is someone who has sort of has problems with her power but like she accidentally kills someone and feels very bad about it Mm mm-hmm but then there's other people, you know, like Roxy, who are just like, I'm going to kill these people because they found out about my drug business, you know, like yeah. using <laughs> or like the power they had for a, a small reasons. part in killing my mother. So I'm killing all of them. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, again, you know, like I think the novel is trying to say power in and of itself is dangerous and you never know how people are going to react to having power. But it's hard for me to completely say, like, well, you know, this power is a totally negative thing because, uh, I mean, you know, I was kind of down with the women getting to kill their abusers (laughs) and Mm -hmm, attack people and protect themselves. It only became a problem when it rapidly shifted to, like, big governmental changes. Like, there's a country that forms that's all women like it's women led and the country is trying it's called besapara (laughs) the country is trying to gain political power and so they start enacting laws that men need a female guardian to go out 
in mm-hmm. public and men need a woman to sign their passport so they can cross the border and men need women to go out and drive them places because they're no longer afraid to drive. And then by that point, you know, as a reader, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. And like, I can see how, how that would happen. I just have a hard time believing in these smaller scale situations that, and, and also I just like that, that all of the women like so quickly shift into this willingness to hurt people for no reason like a lot of them have reasons but the ones that have no reason it's as i was saying before it's harder for me to believe because women have been oppressed where the difference is men Mm -hmm. like haven't been on the other side of that ever Mm -hmm. in history so it's kind of like just kind of like hard to to think that within 10 years women would completely like lose sight of what it felt like to be without power you know i yeah i totally agree because there's like graphic scenes of women raping men yeah and that's like just just for just for fun yeah (laughs) one thing that i did think was believable was the way that religion was used yes power was in someone's hands um and i think like that's very like recognizable today um not happening with women really but (laughs) it's um especially the way that religion is used like as a political tool Mm -hmm. um like i was almost more interested sometimes in what the book was saying about how we use we use religion mm-hmm. or how powerful people use religion even yeah. now rather than like what I'm supposed to feel as a woman reading it. Yeah. Because it's, it's a sort of idea like this thing happened within our bodies and no one made it happen. So someone must have given it to us. So someone must be sending us a message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it couldn't be a male God. So now we're going to say God's a woman. Yeah. I was gonna say I was singing that Ariana Grande song in my head. You know I was. (laughs) Essentially, Allie, who is the person who killed her foster father for raping her repeatedly, she runs away, hooks up with these nuns (laughs) who are housing runaways, essentially, girls who have run away because they're scared and you know their families freaked out because they have this power. And she sort of manipulates people into rewriting Christianity. (laughs) And she hears a voice in her head. And my favorite thing was she asked the voice, are you God? And the voice is like, sure. And the voice is like, yeah, sure. If that's what you need to do or something. (laughs) That's one of my main questions about this book is like, what, who is that voice? I mean, maybe she was just crazy. Did y'all think of that? Yeah, I don't think yeah, I considered it. I don't think that voice is its own entity separate from her. Like Yeah. I think it's just She crazy. The same way if anyone says they're a prophet, I'm like, okay. Right. No, yeah. you're right. But like, then at at a certain point she's like, Okay, well the voice and I have nothing left to give each other, so okay, bye, see you later. And I never heard the voice again. And now I know what I have to do. Well, I just wondered if the voice was talking to her because she felt really alone. Because she, you know, she said that the voice had been talking to her for a while and that it kind of like directed her and told her what to do. 
And I can see how, like, if you've lost faith in, like, everyone around you, mm-hmm. you could sort of like an, having an imaginary friend almost. She ha- It helps her to feel like there was someone who had her back. Yeah, or, know? like, yeah. it's like she's George Bush and the voice is Dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, puppeteering some Did evil shit. Because <laughs> I saw Vice. Yeah, I just saw that this weekend. Did I see this? I did. No. Oh. I, w- I was wondering if that's why you brought it up. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I didn't. So I went to see Vice. Can I tell a quick Vice story? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I went to see Vice this weekend uh, with my dad and Gina. And uh, I was following along. I was doing good. And we've talked on this show before about how I infamously take naps in movies. <laughs> So we get to the part where the Iraq war happens and I'm like, I'm tired. This movie is long and I know what happens. So I'm just going to take a quick little nap. And then later on, we're like getting coffee and talking about the movie. And I was like, I was really disappointed that they didn't have that part, the like a scene where Dick Cheney shot that guy. And they were like, no, there definitely (laughs) was that in the movie. And I was like, really? I didn't think I was asleep for that long. It It was a really fast moment. That's what they they said it went by really fast because like usually when I nap in movies I don't really miss anything because I'm just kind of like closing my eyes a little bit and then I wake up and I'm like all right <laughs> that's what you, you know. think you think you're so not since I didn't anything. see it and maybe you can't tell me because you didn't see part of it either but <laughs> I can does it support my theory that I just <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes no yeah. totally. okay <laughs> that's what the entire movie is about <laughs> that he was really the president yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyway or. The voice in Allie's head. Yeah. Basically Dick Cheney. Yeah. Oh, my God. What if the voice was Dick Cheney? That's oh, so no. Oh, my God. That's the, <laughs> that's the wild conspiracy theory I'm going to put online about this book. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, he's a symbol for Dick Cheney. By the end of the novel, yeah. though, <laughs> Mother Eva's, like, a big political figure. Yeah. And is going to, you know, like, state dinners in Besapara and commanding her followers to do stuff. It's interesting that she's Eve, which is a a, a Christian figure. Um, mm-hmm. So it is a re- it's a rewriting of a specific religion. And I guess I'm not surprised it would be Christianity because I think there are people, like, That's wielding that one. in the wrong way a lot right now politically. Yeah. Oh, it's a big not one. not exclusively Christianity. That's just the loudest one because there are more of them. But yeah. um, well, especially in in our country specifically, yeah. I think. Yeah, I like, mean, I mean, in if, our country specifically. Yeah, if this were to happen in in our country, like, and because the focus is mostly in America, it makes sense that Christianity is the religion to kind of like mm-hmm. overpower the country. Mm-hmm. And pay political people to do yep. stuff. Yep. Womp womp. <laughs> right? I feel like this book is making me sad all over again. Well, earlier, mm-hmm. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. That's okay. Yeah. So earlier you said, like, well, how should I feel reading it? Like, as a woman, should I feel empowered? Or should I feel like women are evil? Or is power bad? Like, I just think it's interesting to think about the idea that, like, this could be this, um, like, vacillating swing of power that's happened. Because in history, like, historically in this, what occurred before the power was 
what we have now, where mm-hmm. women are the, you know, second sex or whatever. And then it swings the other way, and history is written by the people in power, so no one knows about that time before. There's just, like, these clues of it. And so right. I just think it's really cool to think about how much of all the way that, you know, societies get set up and talked about and written about even way later is just a result of whoever was in power at the time and like who writes history and could this type of thing happen or have already happened like (laughs) yeah no it is really fascinating to think about like there there were like matriarchal societies Mm -hmm. in ancient times that we only know a teeny tiny bit about because nobody mm-hmm. recorded them mm-hmm. and no one wants us to know right. <laughs> that it's even possible. And like, I mean, I learned so much about that specifically in, I took this one art history class that was about um, basically like revisionist history in the context of art history and how, you know, when you think about art and you think about famous painters, so many of the names that come to mind first are men And so many of the famous artists that we learn about as children, if you learn even a little bit of art history, you learn like Picasso, Van Gogh, Da Vinci, like all these white men Mm -hmm. are who we learn about as the masters. But at that time, there were women working who were just as successful at that Mm -hmm. time, just as prolific at that time, who then didn't get written about. And we're like still paying for that, you know? And that happened in like... A lot oh, of mediums. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. definitely... I mean, I'm just thinking, like, definitely the exact same thing happened in comic books. hmm Yeah. And that's what a lot of that book, uh, Girl Squads, was about, that I interviewed mm-hmm. Sam Max about, was talking about... I had a professor, um, a women's studies professor, who I adored um, at St. Louis, who wrote this book called Canon Fodder, like, the literary mm-hmm. canon fodder like and it was like women who had been like sort of erased from that yeah and what cool title first of all but second of all Mm -hmm. totally it was like that's kind of what i wrote my thesis on actually was like feminist rhetoric in the renaissance which you wouldn't think there is any but it's just like you don't hear about them yeah Yeah. cool anyway small plug for my thesis (laughs) <laughs> from small plug for many years thesis. ago <laughs> no one's ever gonna read so. shout out to my thesis yeah. yo <laughs> shout out to my thesis yeah i i also sort of on the same note i was i kind of just i don't like to look at goodreads to form any opinion about anything because i often disagree with everyone on there like 90 percent of goodreads are idiots just kidding. but I'm sure a lot of you people use Goodreads, and so do I. But like, come on, I love but, looking at Goodreads. But yes, go ahead. I I <laughs> leafed through some of them, and you know how Goodreads has like the frequently asked questions, or like you can ask a question about a book and someone will answer it. Yeah. The top question was someone asked, "If this was the other way around, wouldn't all you women be mad?" <laughs> Um, and someone responded, like, it's called history. Yeah, yeah, the literal world that we live in. Oh my god, what a dumb thing. But there were so many reviews that were like, if this was a book about men having the power, all you women would be mad. I don't think that's the point of the book, though. Like, this isn't no. just a simple 
uh, power fantasy right. where women get power and are super awesome and everything's perfect. And like, wouldn't it be it's, cool if we could kill people? No. I would <laughs> no. guess that the people that complain like that have not actually read the book. Oh, it's yeah, just a wild not. guess. Oh, a wild well, guess. If anyone says that, they obviously didn't read the book, but. They read the synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. I kind of was surprised by how sort of like. I f- had very nuanced feelings about this book. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, of no, these me issues too. of power we're talking about. It's not just like women get to be badass and kill a bunch of dudes. Yeah. It's kind of horrifying. Which is actually kind of what yeah. I was expecting it to be. Like, because that's kind yeah, of, yeah, that sort of, of what the thought- synopsis sounds like. It doesn't sound like it's asking, like, it's going to ask you these really huge questions and to, like, kind of examine history and, like, how societies are constructed and why. But, yeah. yeah, there's a lot more to it than, like, it'd be really cool if I could, like, shock that person. Yeah. It's a much <laughs> more complicated book than I was expecting. Yeah. Which I'm happy about. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And to answer that question, like, what if it was the reverse? Well, the book doesn't really work if you do it in reverse. Right. <laughs> the point is, like... men would just have more power than they are. Yeah, have. the point is there's, like, a wipeout and a start over. And, like, that's yeah. what... Yeah we're asking questions about or that's what it's asking you questions about i guess not like hey what if things were just the way they are but way worse right (laughs) interestingly there weren't as many sort of discussions of race as i thought there would be because i mean that's usually part of power dynamics when we're talking about power is okay well you know white men historically have had a lot of power but the same the same doesn't hold up when you look at black men right Right. yeah Mm -hmm. uh same thing with black women you know like white women got the right to vote when other people didn't still didn't have the right to vote Mm -hmm. oh totally yeah people another example of like history kind of just like pushing out a thing that happened like everyone when they talk about women's suffrage, is like, isn't this cool? And they'll, like, quote Susan B. Anthony, who was, like, kind of a dick to white, or to black women. (laughs) So, like... A super racist bitch. Yeah. Yeah, So, like, maybe, you know, don't forget that other stuff happened. (laughs) But, I mean, like, interestingly, race wasn't a huge discussion. Well, I mean, but Allie is mixed race, which is worth noting. Yeah. Um, Race only comes up sort of, like, when they're talking about I mean, I guess it's only directly talked about when she's a foster kid, and it's like, yeah, she gets overlooked because she no one's going to pay attention to like a mixed race foster or something. Right. But right. I mean, it's interesting that a person, the person who rises to like religious power and becomes a prophet, is mixed mm-hmm. race. But yeah, it's not like really. Yeah, I feel. Or anything. I feel like this is a similar issue with The Handmaid's Tale in that when you take on something like you know the differences between men and women on this like huge large scale it's like the the more in-depth you get about intersectionality the more complicated the narrative becomes the harder it is to like Mm -hmm. you know keep your focus i guess but it is like i do think that there could have been a bit more yeah or like any because there was i mean there was um and i was really glad for this that they had uh, quite a bit about 
um, like trans issues and yeah. like I was, I was wondering how they were going to deal with that because obviously this, the power is like women have it and men don't, but what about non-binary people? Right. And, you know, I thought it was smart that there was this whole subsect of people who like women who had a harder time with their power weren't able some people born without it some people who weren't able to control it like jocelyn or like Mm -hmm. kind of like couldn't you know fully access it there were men like jocelyn's boyfriend at one point Mm -hmm. men born with the power who are able to use it and harness it um and i thought that that was like really important to show that you know even with this kind of issue there's still a spectrum of yeah gender But I wish they could have done the same thing with the examination of race because there really wasn't a lot about it. It kind of, like, fell to the side. Yeah, and it sort of felt like she was trying to um, avoid that kind of criticism by having characters of color, but having characters Mm -hmm. of color and exploring what that – the implications of that are, like, two very different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So – I don't – I mean, it's it's not – that I thought, oh, no, this book doesn't work at all now because she didn't talk yeah. about race enough. I don't know how she would have talked about it or what I want Yeah, in that regard. It's just, it's interesting to think about because power is such a com- complicated issue and race is a part of it. And yeah. I guess she was just trying to hypothesize a world where that wasn't as big of an issue but just because women get some powers doesn't mean racism's going away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All the other isms are probably still doing great. Hold up. Doing strong. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, and I wondered too, like, um, there are these camps called North Star camps and sort of like ROTC for teens. Yeah. Like these girls go girls. off to train and learn how to use their power. And I kind of wondered, because it seemed like a big deal, you know, like a special thing to get to go to these camps mm-hmm. and train. And notably, Margot, who's a politician on the rise, her daughter Jocelyn goes to one of these camps to learn and is kind of like well-received there, I guess. And I kind of wondered, like, what's the what's the breakdown of who's there? You know, yeah. like, is it a bunch of rich people's kids? Is it... Probably. A probably more much, diverse. Yeah, yeah. Probably. But that's just stuff we can't know, I guess. Yeah. I thought it might go yeah. further into, um, like, the implications of sexuality, too. Yeah. Because um, there, there are some references to... And I think this is the voice in Allie's head talking, so I don't know... If, how much like credit we need to give it but it, take this with a grain of salt right but this is a an imaginary person it said so. something like it's it's even more like powerful or important for like women to dwell together and create create yeah. lives together and you know i, I guess like even mm-hmm. raise raise up kids sort of without men which like i think is implying as close to like uh just like female female sexual relationships and are those then like kind of the more powerful ones like what happens to heterosexual relationships and Naomi asked Neil like or says to Neil in those emails like I know you've had trouble forming relationships with women and a lot of people have and like I wonder if you know that's like a less common thing now and like women are just like we don't like need you guys anymore for sex either so 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that is interesting because, like, in a in a male dominant society, like we have men are like obsessed with sex with women, which is probably a huge part of why men are so like. I mean, straight men are so obsessed with keeping them around or having their own, you know, like <laughs> having their own yeah, woman, my very own their woman. Own hole. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I thought Kelly just got up and left. Like I can't do it. Sorry, I was closing the door because Penelope just came in. Yeah, I mean, it's not like in a male-dominated society like the one we're in. Male-male relationships are like uh, a power Considered fetish or something. A, yeah, but yeah. like there, there have been male-dominated societies in the past that did, like, um... Ancient Greece. Yeah, like, what yeah, I'm trying to say, up, like, Greece? lift up those relationships, or, like, it was, <laughs> you know, I kind of wondered if we that's can where this was gonna go, want. but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and that's one of the things that I was kind of disappointed about with this book, is I, at the end, and maybe this is a good thing, but at the end... I wondered about so many different things like, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or do you think that maybe this would have happened? But you can't really read beyond the book. Yeah. And there were a lot of questions I had that just didn't make it into the book. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's good. I don't know. (laughs) I think it's good that it, it makes you ask those questions, though. If everything was answered, I mean... You'd give this book a lower rating, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I think it would be impossible to answer everything oh, yeah. that this premise raises. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would be. It is a wild premise. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we just talk about how did you like it? Um, I already said my thing about religion. Did we want to talk about Tunde at all? Oh, yeah. Like we we should probably just, should. Yeah. He's like the main oh, male character. Right, him. That guy. Uh, he is kind of our male perspective, and he's sort of, like, presented as this, he is, he's Nigeri- Nigerian, Nigerian, he's Nigerian, <laughs> and he, uh, basically becomes, like, an online journalist who, by recording videos of these incidents that happen, which I think is a pretty interesting parallel to kind of, like, the way that we're currently recording incidents of police brutality um, and things like that and putting them online, sort of like civilian disputes and putting them online, like, which was interesting because that was very, it had a lot of echoes of racism in America, especially like just like people getting in fights and all this kind of stuff that we're seeing online. I mean, that happened this week. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, white ladies calling the police on, you know, 12-year-old girls selling lemonade. Like, (laughs) Again, uh, we're so sorry we're white women. We don't take responsibility for that bullshit. I cannot answer to those white women's crimes. White women are terrible. I'll admit it. They're awful. Tangent, my favorite white (laughs) woman calling the police video is the woman who calls the police and there's somebody there, another white woman, if I'm not mistaken, who's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And the woman's like on the phone with the police and she's like, they're harassing me. Oh my God. And the police get there and she's like fake crying. 
And the other woman who's recording is like, I just asked her why she was doing this. There's so many I can't even keep track. My favorite one is the one with with this bitch who's on the phone and she's like calling them and then she tries to hide behind a wall and the girl like comes over to her at the camera and she's like, everybody's going to see you now, (laughs) boo-boo. It was the best. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Back Uh, to Toon Day. Toon Day basically develops his journalism... The Nigerian, I'm sorry, a Nigerian, who develops his journalistic career through kind of starting with these videos and this footage because he st- sort of makes a name for himself that he's not afraid to get close to the action and record and yeah. things like that. And so he's, he becomes a very popular journalist and like he's like a kind of a YouTube celebrity, but also is like reporting for CNN somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he. Oh, fake news? <laughs> Fake news? Yeah, it's fake news, so they'll take anything. I'm imagining he's like a BuzzFeed reporter, you know? Like, he's got his own web thing going on, but then, like, sometimes CNN picks it up. Yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, he's like our one male perspective that we get consistently throughout the book. Um, And he's kind of like an ally in a lot of, like, women allow him into their spaces more often because he's seen as someone who is presenting their story from a standpoint of uh, objectivity, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and is allowing them to tell their stories and is not kind of, like, sensationalizing, like, them as villains. Or judging them. Or judging them. But I think it's interesting because we we see him constantly struggling with his own feelings about women Mm -hmm. because he was very much alive and a person he was like a teenager when this all started happening and so he knows what it was like when women were the underdogs and Mm -hmm. the oppressed people of society and so he is like he's basically like woke i guess and like trying to be sympathetic but then when the women have more and more power and he sees more and more of them using it in negative ways he starts to, you know, become more confused about how he's feeling. Yeah. And one, some of the more telling moments are when he's, like, when he's alone and he says something like, for the first time, I felt scared when I was walking home alone at night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, interesting to see these thoughts that, as women, we have on a constant basis – coming from a man who is, like, finally in a position where he feels that way because of women. Yeah. But I don't don't think there would be a way necessarily to show that sort of shift without a male narrator. Yeah. And I I think he was a really interesting character, and... Yeah. There was some depth to him. I liked him. Yeah, I liked him a lot, and I like that he and Roxy kind of hooked up. I know. (laughs) Not kind of. They banged. That romance. (laughs) That was one of my favorite little moments, was their uh, sex in the middle of the woods, (laughs) or whatever. I, look, canonically... Tunde got laid more than anybody else. I know, I was gonna say, Tunde was kind of sleeping his way through this whole thing. Yeah. Like, we we first meet him sleeping, trying to sleep with someone mm-hmm. in his first chapter. Right. Yeah, and is this a yeah. commentary on CNN journalists and their integrity? <laughs> I think so. I think so. We're gonna see a think piece on that soon. 
But yeah, like, everyone in their chapters talks about how handsome he is. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, Tunde could get it. (laughs) From anybody. I mean, I thought he sounded hot. I did it. (laughs) Also, I must say that the part about using the electricity during sex sounded pretty dope. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded dope until... Not the bad Until parts. It wasn't, you know? The fun parts, you know? The little, <laughs> it's like they send a little shock through them when they come because they're like, oh my God, it feels so good. And then they lose control of their power for a little moment and it doesn't hurt the dude. He's just like, he feels it. It's kind of like when a dude comes in you, <laughs> but the other way around. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You're making Mary very uncomfortable yeah. with the resident prude. No, I'm fine. You're turning me on, I, so. No. <laughs> like, that is all fun and games until it's like, I'm going to shock you so you get an erection. Now I'm going to rape you. It's all fun and games until someone shocks you to give you an erection. And then rapes you. Put that on Well, even that, to begin with, they're like, ooh, like, it's kind of fun. Well, yeah, it's very, like, it's, like, kinky. It reminded me of uh, Fledgling, and he's like, ooh, like, bite me again. Yeah, (laughs) bite me me a little bit. Oh, my gosh, it does. Yeah. And you're like, no, dude. Mary, we're seeing some threads throughout the books you choose. Yeah. You like kinky sex stuff and revisionist history and kinky, sexy things. Yes. That's Mary's brand. Classic Mary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely That's Mary's me. brand is kinky sex things. I would, If I had one <laughs> way to describe her brand. Kelly, I actually yeah. really think that is an interesting point, though, seriously, in that it's, a mo- it's more of a reversal of, like, the, I guess, like, what is yeah. seen as the more powerful role in sex, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, like, ejaculation is often seen as, like, when the sex is over, you yeah. know? Well, yeah, because usually after that, dudes can't can't go anymore. go any further, like physically. Yeah, but then a lot of times they're like, "I'm done. Like, I'm not gonna do anything else to you either with my hands or mouth." <laughs> Bye. Uh, they get sleepy, you know. That's when you shock them. <laughs> like, I'll wake you they're up. Like, really. I'm going to wake sleep. up. Are you asleep? No. Yeah. Didn't think so. Uh, but actually. You know, that is like the the moment of ejaculation for a woman is when she sends her electric shock through you. Yep. And you better not fucking finish before she does, because she could kill you. <laughs> or just kidding. Just pop it back up with electricity. <laughs> oh my god, pop it back up. <laughs> That's the episode title. It's technical. It's technical. <laughs> oh, you ain't done. Let me just pop it back up for you. <laughs> oh, man. Lord help me. So, uh, how'd you guys like this? <laughs> Five stars for popping back up. Um, I think I'll go. I'm going to give it a four. Um, It's not necessarily like the 
best or most beautifully written book that we've read in a while, but I felt like, I mean, it wasn't poorly written either, but it also just, it's made me think a lot, and I really like when a book does that. I've been thinking about it Mm -hmm. since I finished it. I actually listened to this, like, almost all in one day. Like, I listened to a couple hours the other day, and I started cleaning after that, and I listened, like, nine hours. (laughs) Like, I just was really into it. So, four. I heard there was a British narrator. Oh, yeah. You would not have liked her. I'll just just blend into mine, because we can talk about the audiobook. Because, all right, this British narrator, I'm guessing they hired her because Naomi Allerman is British, I think. And, (laughs) uh, yeah, I think so. Just, I think she's British. I think she's British because I... I just know. Because her name is Naomi. <laughs> Look, just but trust me here. Okay, anyway. No, she is. Yeah, she yeah. definitely is. Um, so anyway, um but here's the thing. This British lady could not do American accents and half of this book or over half of this book takes place in America. Like a lot of this book takes place in America. So there were a lot of bad American accents to get through. Her Russian accent's not great either. Yeah, and then I was wondering, like, I was listening to other ones, I was like, this Nigerian accent might be really bad. The Russian accent's not, probably, not good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it was a great audiobook, I'm saying the content outshined the shitty performance. I know, I, the just, I just wanted I to... I still am giving it for. I just Wait, wanted to mention... she was doing a Nigerian accent? Yeah. For Tunde. That seems bad. <laughs> I mean, she did, she did accents for everybody. The American... I mean, was he speaking English the whole time? I kind of don't think so. So, like, what's the point I... of giving him an accent if he's probably not speaking English? Look, I don't know. <laughs> um, I have but anyway, anyway, <laughs> so I I'm giving this book, or I gave this book a three, um, mm-hmm. and just. To preface that, I think some of it has to do with, like, the mood I am, because I've just, like, it's just been really hard for me to get into reading, right? I'm feeling like I'm in a little bit of a rut, and I was having a hard time getting into this book, like, Mm -hmm. really struggling to finish it today. Um, I mean, I did, and, like, at the end of the day, it was a pretty, like, quick read once I, like, sat down and made myself read it, but I, like, I don't know, and... I I think, like, a lot of the things just, I I felt like, kind of what we were talking about earlier, like, I don't know, I know it's supposed to be, like, symbolic, but still, I'm like, I don't know if women suddenly got electric powers, if this is how things would go. So, like, some of that was, like, hard to believe, hard hard to, like, suspend disbelief a little bit. I don't know. But I feel like this might be one of those books where, reflecting on it later, I'll rate it higher. I definitely... At the end of the day, I enjoyed it. I found it interesting. I'm glad I read it. Um, I would suggest it to other people who are interested in this type of stuff. So, like, it's a solid three. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think it's just partially the mood I'm in right now. But I wouldn't rate it higher. That's fair. Um, I will give it a four as well uh, as Susan. (laughs) I liked it a lot. And I, again, like... There were actually some things about the writing that bothered me a little bit Um, Mm -hmm. because we've talked about this before where there's like a certain 
thing that authors do where they get into a repetitive sentence structure. Yeah. Once, twice, three times. And I feel... Huh? She said once, twice, three times. Yeah. So many times. <laughs> yeah. Like, did she, she did a lot of the... No, she said it, like, I, once, twice, thrice. But, like, it was, like, seven times she used that <laughs> phrase. And I was like, can we... There's... Yeah, I feel like she did a lot of the, like, writing where she's, like, dropping out words to create a sense of urgency, but it starts to get a little bit annoying. Repetitive, and it stops being effective when it's happening all the time. And Yeah, so that was one problem that I had with it, but... Other like aside from that, like I, I that matters less to me when I feel like the content of the book is good enough, and I did feel that yeah. way here. And I liked, I thought the characters were interesting, and I thought, while I have some qualms about the way that all of this played out, like it is one scenario that could occur, and it uh, like, I feel like we've had a good discussion about it. I feel like it's super interesting, and I could keep talking about it for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really glad we read this, and I would encourage other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. I, when I first finished it on Goodreads, I gave it a 5 out of 5. Ooh. Because I was just, like, hyped up. Yeah. <laughs> and That's okay. I read it super quickly. I was really into it. I felt like I couldn't put it down. But I think reflecting on it and talking about it more, I think I also would give it a four out of five and might adjust my rating on Goodreads. It's not that I think it's bad or like worse than I thought it was. I just think that, you know, it's not a perfect novel, but it is still really good. And I would recommend it to people to read too, especially people who are interested in thinking about feminist issues in, you know, like a nuanced way. Right. And uh, I and I think it's also interesting for people who like sort of science fiction-y things because there are a lot of, like, medical sounding <laughs> passages that are really interesting from sort of a sci-fi point of view, too. And I really enjoyed it, and I am still thinking about it. And even today, when I was trying to make the doc for the podcast i was just like oh my god like i don't even know what to talk about because there's so much stuff that i want to talk about (laughs) yeah so i think i would give it a solid four out of five and emily i feel the opposite you said you felt like you've been in a reading rut and it was really hard to get into this and i felt like i've been on a reading roll (laughs) and so i just like rolled into this book yeah and was super into it. I'm about to get on one of those rolls because I'm. I had a long plane ride this week, and every time I do yeah. that, I like slay two books. It's awesome. You know what would be great on a long plane ride? Pop it back up. The Area oh. X trilogy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Here we go again. Mary, not every like space of dead air is a place where you just should- could be. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I still haven't read it yet, so I I understand that you're mm-hmm. saying I really freaking Yeah, care. you're the only one who hasn't read Annihilation. No, I'm not saying I won't, but I am saying I'm going to read The Hunger on this flight, so. Yes, girl. <laughs> you're like, I'm not saying I won't, but every time you mention it, I do hate it a little more. <laughs> I stray yeah. further and further. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we all enjoyed this book at a base level. I think yes. It was, good. It was a yes. success, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And as always, if any of our listeners have questions or comments about yes. the book, concerns, email them to us. Concerns. Are you concerned? The one question that's disallowed is, if this was from the other way around, yeah. wouldn't you be mad? Yeah. I mean, we covered that's that, irrelevant. so... It is the that's other irrelevant. way around, and we are mad. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're really mad. The Squad at BookSquadGoals.com. Yeah. have some feedback did you hear penelope yes i did that's why i went no oh my dogs aren't here i said the squad at booksquadgoals.com and she goes yeah try to make that please read that feedback next week (laughs) penelope (laughs) says (laughs) so last episode uh my audio like this is probably my own dang fault (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but somehow my audio just stopped recording um, at the feedback section. So there were a couple of favorites of the year that I read and got cut out. So this week I'm going to reread them. So they will actually be in the episode. Yay. So we have Rachel from Evansville, Indiana, who wrote in and said, yo, Yo. 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 Okay, I suck at seeing and doing new things. I usually discover shows, books, and podcasts way later than the rest of the cool world. So sorry if these things weren't new in 2018. That's perfectly fine, Rachel. (laughs) I have to agree with Susan on Nailed It. I had some awesome things happen this year and some really shitty things, and Mindless TV helps me through the tough nights where I just wanted to turn off real world thoughts. I love Chris. The, I love Christmas and holiday baking shows were my holly jolly escape the last few months of the year. Nailed it holiday, holiday baking show, and the great British holiday baking show were clutch. Also, I really got into Teacher's Pet and Criminal Podcast. And I will say again, I love Teacher's Pet and I like Gary Basin, who is the artist who did it. So, thumbs up from me. My favorite murder stayed my ride-or-die pod. Sadly, I read no books this year since I love true crime books, and every one that I picked up made me emotional. So any light, funny reads you can recommend? Side note, not related to pop culture media at all, I enjoyed getting to know Emily and making a real connection, albeit an unfortunate one, but real nonetheless. A huge thanks to her for being that reassurance that I'm not alone in how I feel and that light and love can be seen from miles away and can come from the shittiest of circumstances. Girl, anytime. Stay powerful. (laughs) Take 2019 by the brass balls and hang it on your rearview mirror. XOXO, Rachel. Yes. Well, Rachel, I don't know if the power is a light and funny read for you. <laughs> <laughs> what are some... We should think of some light and funny reads for Rachel while we have her here. Um, yeah. Light and funny. Let me look at I my bookshelf. Yeah, me too. will say, I always... When I want something light, I always turn to young adult lit. Mm-hmm. When you say you're, the Area X trilogy, I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not light and funny. I always jump to, but I usually, I usually turn to young adult lit because it's 
you generally know things are going to be okay in mm-hmm. most young adult books. And there's sort of a comfort in yes. the structure of them a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. And Emily and I read a while back The Upside of Unrequited. So good. By Becky Albertalli. And I really love that book. And I think it's pretty funny and fun. Yeah. And really, all of Becky Albertelli's books would probably be good. Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard mixed reviews about the newest one. I haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, no matter what, I'm going to read it because I've loved her other two books. But, I mean, from what I've read, I would highly recommend her work. So, um, the other thing I was going to suggest was, it's also a YA book, but... um and I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but when Dimple met Rishi, just is like so sweet. It's like if a Bollywood movie was a YA novel, and I loved it. Yeah. So another thing I would recommend, which I always yeah. go to when I want something funny, even though Emily and I had a pretty weird experience meeting him in person. Oh yeah, <laughs> David Sedaris. Uh, is very funny. Yeah. Rachel might be into Grady Hendrix. Oh, yeah, Grady Hendrix. Well, I didn't know, because you know, my go-to recommendation is My Best Friend's Exorcism, but I didn't know if that was, like, light, because there is, like, it exorcism. Is funny, and there is, like, some pretty, like, disturbing scenes, but I really, you know I love that book. And, you know, yeah, it's all it about, good. at the end of the day, it's all about the power of female friendship, which clearly I'm here for. it's like light and funny while i'll have while also having extremely gruesome imagery yes well maybe i mean even i I think horror store while it's supposed to be like scary it's very like light scary and it's funny and it's it's visually cool like it's a more fun type of book to read yeah so yeah yeah, check out grady hendrix anything grady hendrix is always pretty good and, you know, check I out see. that interview with Grady Hendrix, because he's just a fun guy. He's, yeah. Look, he's also just a gem. Yeah, yeah he's just, great. Yeah, He's just a nice guy. We like him. Uh, some other... Yeah, she spoke again. Penelope agrees. Penelope <laughs> likes Grady <laughs> Hendrix, too. <laughs> some other favorites of the year that we got... Just some short and sweet ones. Kimberly from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, said that she enjoyed Sharp Objects, both mediums, the book and the miniseries. Yes. Alex from New England said he enjoyed American Vandal Season 2. I could not do it because of all the poop. (laughs) I I was into it. it. It was too much. Horchata. Horchata. in Chicago, (laughs) Illinois, said she has been enjoying The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I have also heard good things about it. Yeah, I need to watch that. Yeah, a lot of people wrote in about that. Mm -hmm. I'm on season one still, but um, I'm enjoying it. I'm watching it with Ivan. And some personal celebrations for 2018. Erica from Raleigh, North Carolina, had a baby! Yay! Good job. Ah! Congratulations! That sounds hard. You did it! Yay, congratulations. Kristen from Oxford, Mississippi, said that she enjoyed celebrating her birthday at Ben and Emily's wedding. Yay! So So nice. I enjoyed spending your birthday with you, too, Kristen. Yeah, I'm so glad that you spent your birthday taking pictures of me. (laughs) I know. But she had a birthday cake at your wedding. Yeah, we did sing happy birthday to her, and we got candles for her little, like, piece of wedding cake and stuff, so. It was fun. And, you know, free booze on your birthday is never a bad thing. Yeah, it's not bad. Victoria from McKinney, Texas, said that she enjoyed traveling and spending time with family. Always good things. And Carla from Hattiesburg said 
Adopting her cats. Always. Cats, cats are the best cats. thing I've ever year. always top the list. Yes. Number one. <sighs> we have a belated feedback that slipped under our radar about cool. little fires everywhere. It's responding to some of my specific <laughs> criticisms, I think. <laughs> Take it away, um, Kelly. So, yeah, this is super late because we did not see it until super late. So I apologize for the lateness, Jennifer. But um, Jennifer writes from Atlanta, I want to say something in defense of the way Mrs. Richardson's character was written and on the use of the stereotypes in this novel. I think Mrs. Richardson's lapsed activism was not, oh, believable, but an intentional commentary on the kind of fake rich white liberalism that is widely criticized on the internet these days, but wasn't in the 90s because the internet was still a baby. Oh, baby. Mrs. Richardson latched onto a progressive identity because she was raised in it and because that's how you fit in Shaker Heights. And the novel seems to make a point that progressivism was something she just fell into, not something she truly felt. One example that comes to mind is a passage about how her mother took her to protests, but she never felt compelled to go to them herself as an adult. I got a really strong sense while listening to the book that her character and the entire novel were a commentary on the hypocrisy of white feminism. Also, on Lexi's character failing to change after getting an abortion, it made me think of anonymous accounts by abortion doctors that made their rounds on the internet several years ago. They talked about anti-abortion protesters who came into the clinic for abortions that went right back out to protesting and always had some justification why their reasons for an abortion were different and better than every other person who ever came into the clinic. I think Lexi, even though she's very far from being an anti-choice protester, is definitely the kind of character to have that sort of cognitive dissonance that would allow you to resist change in yourself. I think Lexi and Mrs. Richardson are 90s characters embodying the very 2010s way of looking at people. Mrs. Richardson is the white feminist and Lexi is the basic bitch back before those phrases existed. Back then, I probably would have called Lexi a shallow prep and Mrs. (laughs) Richardson a bitter rich bitch. Shallow prep. I love it. I got the sense that the fact that all six Richardsons distinctly embody John Hughes-level stereotypes and that they don't subvert those stereotypes was intentional and meant to satirize the many people in the world who just pick a stereotype they identify with and then just live there without ever having any self-awareness about it or desire to change. There were some things I didn't like about this book, but the use of stereotypes I actually thought was good. Oh. Jennifer from Atlanta. That's really interesting. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I fell on that, I didn't like... Mm. You just, you just said it like way, way better than I ever could have. But thank you for doing yeah, that. Yeah. Do you want to write for our blog? Because yeah, that was please. well written. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer that was is really a really well good writer written. and maybe she would like to write for our blog. Hit her up. Hit her up. Hit her Jennifer, up. we want more of your writing. We want to eat it and consume its power. <laughs> yes. But what I will say is that the book never communicated to me that that's what the stereotypes were being used for. And so I still see that as a failure on the part of the book. I think it's an interesting read, though. Like, it's an interesting reading of the book. I mean, you know, look. Yes. I liked that letter much better than I liked the book. We're all Englishy folks. We know there's more than one way to read. Yep. A thing. (laughs) It's true. There's more than one way to read a book. Sort of like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. No! No Don't skin a cat. There's no way to skin a cat. It just can't be done. We have a little piece of Girls Burn Brighter feedback. Yay. Someone else can read this, but I just want to say the subject is he nasty. 
Oh boy. I oh, think yes. I know what this is about. Go ahead, Susan. Oh, I need to just scroll to it. Okay. Alex from New England. Oh, and before we read this, we need to thank Alex. Yes. 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 Alex donated a generous sum to us, and we very much appreciate it. We are putting it towards um, our website renewal. Yeah. And we are so happy to have you as a listener, Alex. Your emails always bring us so much joy and always ask me questions that I can never think of good answers to. On but I still like to think about these questions. Yeah, he has many questions. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you. And now on to subject, he nasty. <laughs> hey, BSG. <laughs> he nasty. <laughs> it's your pal, Alex from New England. Girls Burn Brighter wasn't a book I would have probably tried out on my own, and I'm so glad y'all chose to talk about it. Loved the episode Yay. and really enjoyed the book. Well, I didn't enjoy the absolutely horrible things that the men did in the book, uh, but you know what I mean. Here's my yeah. unrelated question. I yes. am currently reading a book by Ethan Hawke. And then there's an asterisk. The footnote says, yes, that Ethan Hawke. And then there's two more <laughs> asterisks. <laughs> and then that footnote says, this was a mistake. which celebrity do you wish would write a novel and a follow-up question which celebrity that is not donald glover or oscar isaac do you wish would write a novel (laughs) oh um bill murray oh for sure Mm. i love i love bill murray that's also you know probably an obvious choice for me because y'all y'all know how i feel about ghostbusters you know, I, I like would it. I would say James Franco, but I feel like if I do, he'll actually write a novel. Yeah. But he already poems. wrote a book. Poems, poems. Palo Alto. Yeah, but not a novel, stories. you guys. Okay. <laughs> there was one day I had his book of poems. We've had enough. In class, and I was reading them out they're loud really during our break. And I love him. And our professor came back in and was like, put it up. <laughs> so I'm going to say. <laughs> too bad. I want Jenny Slate. Mm. Well, I think she just wrote something recently, actually. I'm going to Google that while you guys talk. But, yeah, Jenny Slate. I think Ugh. I would like to see a fictional novel written by the Broad City Gals. Mm. Perhaps. Yeah, that'd be fun. I also would be interested to read Jeff Bridges' rambling nonsense. Oh, my word. <laughs> His... I'm surprised he hasn't already written His one. speech at the Golden Globes was next level. I just remember he released an album <laughs> of meditation songs. <laughs> and it's like just him talking Why? about weird stuff. I think he's on drugs all the time. Guys, every time I see Jeff Bridges, this, I feel like this is an interesting and fresh perspective on Jeff Bridges. So I want to share it. Um, every time I see Jeff Bridges, I think to myself... <laughs> He was Prince Lear in The Last Unicorn. Oh, gosh. Every single time, that's what I think of. I yes. did not know that. So, that's was. my point of reference. I'm like, wow. You learned things, something new. Things have day. changed for Jeff Bridges since he was Prince Lear in The Last Unicorn. <sighs> All right. Um, It's hard because it's like, I can think of celebrities who I'd want to write, like, a memoir who haven't done so yet. But a novel is technically different. Than technically. Theory. Yeah. So, like, what celebrity's personality do I care about who I think they would write a good novel? 
I want okay, here's what I want. <laughs> I want Nicole Byer to write like a really ridiculous erotic. Oh my god, that's oh my the gosh. best possible answer to this question. We should all go home. <laughs> Wait, do I Thank know who you. that is? She's the host of Nailed It, but oh, she's a comedian. I've never um, seen that show. And she, oh, she's really funny. She has Netflix has a new and I just watched her episode. They have like a new comedy series mm-hmm. thing with like 30 minute specials mm-hmm. from different comedians. And She's just super funny. She does a lot of comedy about, like, being fat mm-hmm. and having sex. Well, She used to be on Girls Code. <laughs> yeah. On MTV. Yeah. And she was great on that. She also has guest starred on Off Book, the improvised musical podcast, a couple of times. Yeah. I have not watched Nailed It, but literally anytime I see Nicole Byer in something, I'm like, I love her. She's on a few episodes of she How Does is... Get Made also, and they're like some of my favorite <laughs> episodes. Yeah. Yes. She is so funny, and she's so incredibly yeah. wrong. Like, she like, really wants to fuck I, Jean-Claude Some of the Van jokes Damme she told. <laughs> she's super raunchy, but she's so bubbly and high energy yeah. that it's just a weird... Yeah combo that works really well she also was on the most recent or the a recent episode of the good place oh i haven't watched any of this season yet <laughs> yeah that's a great answer we'll never top it so we'll just move on now we have some things on the blog <laughs> we do on the blog riverdale is back we're constantly saying riverdale is back <laughs> riverdale is always because back. they take so many weird breaks but yeah, they had like a winter hiatus. Yeah. They're back from their winter break and we are back on it. Is it because you can only watch it in like small doses? I mean, actually, like, I don't think that's even true. Like, I feel like I could watch a lot of it at once, but I'm watching it yeah. once a week. Just curious. It is. But I have so many questions about Riverdale. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we it's- have to Google what is a gang. Just yeah. to make sense of Riverdale's foolishness. Just, just to let you guys know, there's a gang on on the show right now, and one of the 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 character Jughead, who is the leader of the gang, tells his gang members, "We will not be committing any crimes. <laughs> that is strictly against Serpent Code. If you commit a crime, you will be kicked out." And I was like, "What is a gang? <laughs> <laughs> like?" Why do you have a gang if you're not committing any this crimes? Isn't a club. So I went on Google and I looked up gang, and the definition is a group of organized criminals. Right. <laughs> so I don't know what this gang does. It doesn't have to make sense. It's Riverdale. <laughs> anyway. It's great. They're. Susan and Emily are recapping the battle. Yeah, we are. I am real pumped I mean, to read their recaps every single week. Oh, They're thank you. Top-notch recaps. Really and I'm not so, just saying that because it's you guys. Thanks. Truly, so the way it that, is a great system for recapping. So the way that Susan and I are doing our recaps is we both have teams. And as of right now, the first two episodes have aired. That The third episode is airing right now. Um, so there's so much that can change. I really feel like this is my prediction. So as of right now, my team came in strong. Episode two, 
is pulling in the lead. However, I feel like my team's going to start petering out halfway through and Susan's going to come in in the end. That's my prediction. Because um, you have a lot of villains on yes. your team. So, but I'll see how. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like that you guys are doing whose line rules. Like the points are made. <laughs> oh yeah, we just make up the points as we go. Because you know, you just can't. It's I mean, fun. it's also like Hogwarts. Yeah, rules. exactly. That's Hogwarts. Fifty points yeah, for like, Gryffindor. I think last week at one point Emily said, "I feel like that should be worth five points or some shit." So yeah. That's about how the points have been doled out so far. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, afterwards, before we posted the um, recap, I texted Susan and I was like, we didn't give people points for crying. I feel like crying needs to be worth points. So then we had to go back and do that. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, if you're not giving people points for crying, what are, are you doing? doing? But, I mean, next so. week, who knows what people will get I points mean, for. Who knows? I think... You just got to keep it open because you got to uh, roll with the punches on The Bachelor. So many things are predictable on The Bachelor, but so many things you just can't. Most predictable this mm-hmm. season, we will discuss why Colton hasn't banged anyone. Because that's all yes. this season. Lord. <laughs> By the- Can I ask you something? Yeah. Um, why are you ever yeah. Like, Why? <laughs> By the end of this season, I could write a dissertation on why Colton is a virgin. Already, I could write a 20-page paper on it. Here's the thing, though. Of all the things, I don't care why he's a virgin. No, no No. one does. That's the thing. Well, he explained it once, and that's Yeah, and he explained it, it made sense. way too many reasons, and that's fine. Let it go, Chris Harrison. But, like, I don't care what the reasons are. Yeah. I love And I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, a little bit of a tangent, but I love how in the premiere, Chris Harrison sat down to have a heart-to-heart with him, (laughs) and he's like, do you feel like being a virgin has made you, or no, he said something like, how do you feel about being a virgin? Colton's like, well, you know, I feel like it gives me a diverse perspective, and Chris Harrison interrupts and said, do you feel like it's made you less of a man? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, Chris Harrison. Yeah, because because uh, we all know Chris Harrison is yeah. Chris Harrison faces. is literally one of the worst interviewers I've ever seen on television. He's just not very good at asking people questions, which well, is weird. Kind of what I, so I think it's because now he can just phone it in, like yeah. So he does. It's real bad. It's been so many years. Like, wouldn't you get better? No. <laughs> no. He's too busy drinking his mimosas in his robe or whatever Chad said. I mean, who knows where he is most of the time, and then they just call him in. Gosh, okay, but like one of the best moments of one of the best moments of last season was a Colton Chris Harrison moment because before one of the rose ceremonies, Colton <laughs> yes. takes Chris Harrison aside and says, "Hey, we're about to go to the fantasy suites, and like I'm a virgin, and I just don't know." And Chris Harrison is like, "Are you asking me like?" If you should be be intimate with (laughs) Becca or like, he just looks so incredulous. Like, why is this happening to me right now? Like, I did not sign up to (laughs) like, why are you asking? I did not sign up for the show thinking that one day I would be giving a 26 year old version advice on like whether or not he should do it in the fantasy (laughs) suite. Like this was just not where I saw my life going. His entire life flashed before his eyes in that moment. And it was just amazing. (laughs) Anyway. 
Well, I think also he realized, like, why am I qualified to answer this question? You're not. He's not. Because he did write a novel, you guys. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. There's a celebrity we didn't need a novel from. (laughs) Take it back. Celebrity. Which celebrity do you wish would retract their novel? Unright. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of us would answer Chris Harrison. Yes. Um, Yeah. We also we also have Emily and Kelly's post about the favorite. Mm-hmm. Yes, we liked they it. They saw it. They liked it. They saw they it. They wrote good. about it. We liked it. It was good. Susan has written a post about this podcast is trying to kill you. This podcast will kill you. This podcast will. It will. will. It's not trying. It will. It's gonna happen. Yeah. It's a new podcast on the Exactly Right Network, which is um, the host of My Favorite Murder, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. It's their podcast network. So if you like My Favorite Murder, you might also like this. Go read that and see if you might. Did it it. kill you? Not yet. But, I mean, most of the stuff they're talking about is, like, polio and stuff. And, like, I really don't want polio for sure no it's not that's so weird because like i do like yeah well but when you listen to this and you hear a bunch of different crazy diseases you do think like well which one would be the least bad if i had to get one i mean that's where my brain went and the answer is not rabies not rabies guys yeah rabies will just straight up cook your brain (laughs) one of the symptoms of rabies is death. <laughs> it's not an outcome. It's like it's just like symptoms. a progression of that's the next symptom you get is die. So not rabies. I was just saying if you have to get one, maybe don't try it. The plague. Okay. It's curable. All right, I'll try that one. <laughs> Other things that might kill you. Uh, you can read about them in my blog post about the road movie, <laughs> which is a like sixty minute. Splice together bunch of footage from Russian dash cams. It sounded terrifying. It is. I uh, spent a lot of the movie just kind of going, hey! <laughs> just kind of groaning at what was happening because it was insane. I also I tried to be as spoiler free as possible because since so much of it is just like clips from dash cams, it's easy to like spoil some of the best parts. So Yeah. Tried to reflect on what it means <laughs> that this is a movie. Yeah. Emily is writing a post soon. Yeah, I don't know Emily what it is. Emily has written a post. We'll Emily has written out. a post. Out. I've written a new post since then. Mystery. I thought about it. And if you want to know what they are, you're just going to have to go to our website. You're just going to have to go look. Yeah. We wrote some stuff. It's a teaser. <laughs> uh, our next. We wouldn't want to spoil. It's going to be great. I absolutely it's know what it is. I just don't want to tell you. It's a secret. Yeah. Really, we're just keeping it a secret. We're building suspense for you. Yes. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our next episode is going to be an other sode where we are going to do something we have never done before, which Todd is insisting that we call hashtag book squad games. Yes. Uh, okay. Former guest Todd will be back Someone has to, volunteer his tribute. to run a magical girl themed RPG for us. So we are going to do a little bit Yay. of a let's play 
RPG, and I'm really excited because magical girls are cool, and I love RPGs. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited about yes. this. Yes. It's going to yes. be awesome. Yes. He's very excited, too. We have been watching Madoka Magica to try to prepare him. He is already familiar with Sailor Moon. Ah, one of the best magical the best. girls. Sailor Moon yes. has my heart forever. Yes, yes. So I'm really excited to get to play that for, with you guys. Um, the system is called Magical Fury. If anyone is interested in taking a look, it is available on Amazon. It might be available for free online, too. I'm not really sure. But that is what we're doing next time. What is the next book? Yay, it's mine. No. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, we're reading The Gunners by Rebecca Kaufman. Which has a very pretty cover. Yeah, I am like prettiest one I've seen in a while. Now I'm bummed out that I got the audiobook. You should be. Okay. I actually bought the book because I'm taking it with me to Switzerland mm-hmm. and I wanted to take cool pictures nice. of the book. Perfect. <laughs> nice. Yes. Actually, our next three covers are very pretty and vaguely related to each other. <laughs> yeah. I actually have no idea what this book Tune is about. In. I I never look it up. I never know what the book I is about. I read like a little it. summary of it because I picked <laughs> it. So, but I, it was a while ago, and I want to say like a group of friends from a long time ago comes back together for some reason. But I don't know what the reason is. I love shit or, like know. that. I yeah. love friends getting together for some reason. That could be a I totally different book. Chill. Honestly, I just oh that's God, what I remember reading look. about something. I'm go- I'm gonna look it up. Because I gotta know. Just get it for the cover, though. It's very pretty. Seriously. Oh, nice. Well, while Emily's looking it up, mm-hmm. I just want to remind everyone to please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people find us. Also, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Book Squad Goals. You can send us an email at the squad at booksquadgoals.com. You can visit our website at booksquadgoals.com. You can visit our blog at booksquadgoals.com slash blog. Um, anything else? Emily? Yeah. So, okay. So basically, uh, the <laughs> Mikey Callahan is a 30-year-old who's suffering from clouded vision of macular degeneration. And uh, he is reuniting with his group of childhood friends after one of the members of this group commits suicide. That is literally the plot of The Big Chill. Well, I've never seen The Big Chill, so maybe I should watch it before we talk about this book. I'm excited. I mean, I like that premise in general. I just think it's funny because I just said I love The Big Chill. And that's the plot. Well, maybe this is The Big Chill. Without the eye thing. (laughs) <laughs> could be yay cool. awesome i'm excited the cover is beautiful it's even prettier in person because that gold is like very gold it's like ooh. it's two birds eating a worm lady Aww. of the train style <laughs> <laughs> the only way to eat a worm well thanks everyone for right. listening thank you thanks for bye. 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 Bye.